The Guardian. This Guardian podcast was made possible by Squarespace, the all-in-one website maker with cover pages, a new feature that expresses your ideas with a bold single-page website. Try it at squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. Fowler, I'm the Guardian's gardening columnist, GGC. And I'm Jane Perrone, the Guardian's gardening editor. And this week we're talking about style in the garden. Now, this is confession time, guys, because quite frankly, I have to post this picture on Twitter, but I am the least stylish gardener in history. In fact, I've asked for a set of Dickies women's overalls for Christmas because the style of gardening that I tend to, to go by is the kind what my dad used to describe as the wrestling under a hedge with a crowbar type of gardening so you know i just tend to look like a scarecrow so perhaps you guys can help me out this episode with some stylish tips i mean that's just real gardening though isn't it i mean what you're saying is you go out to the garden and you actually garden and so that's a really good thing i don't think that that's bad but i do totally am with you the amount of times particularly early on in my career where i figured the best thing to do was just to wear your oldest you know, worst looking clothes. And then and then you, before you know it, you realise, A, you're never out of them. That's like 24-7, all you're ever wearing is these rubbishy clothes. And B, you go and meet somebody who you kind of, you run into someone who you'd quite like to impress. That was my big moment. I ran into a school friend who was who still is incredibly fashionable and hip looking. And I remember her just looking me up and down and I had like a man's, um, you know, uh, raincoat on and a really big pair of baggy jeans and I just thought I can no longer look like this every day I need to look like me now in the studio with us today we've got Jim Cable who is a garden writer and fashionable gardener of of extraordinaire um and perhaps Jim you are a good as a professional gardener who works in a lot of uh central London gardens you've got a lot of experience of trying to make something that's practical but also doesn't m- make passers-by think you're a tramp. <laughs> what, what, any tips for us, Jim? Um, first and foremost, it is uh, rooted in the practical, definitely. I agree with you. You have to be um, warm, or the right temperature, shall we say, and you have to be able to move freely. Um, and obviously you want to be dry as well. Um, layers. I mean, layers are very practical as a gardener. Because you need, you know, you start work at half past seven in the morning, maybe very different conditions by lunchtime. So your clothing has to be very adaptable. So you've got layers to play with. And I think a lot of the the sort of accessories and the sort of fun design elements that you see on a catwalk are actually just playing with what gardeners have to wear. So lots of pockets are a great thing. Boots, belts, hats, scarves are all really useful items to wear. Um... But they also, why not enjoy wearing them and have a bit of fun with them? We also have Taylor Johnson down the line, who's in America, and she's done something kind of extraordinary, which is taken all of these issues that we have and then come up with what I think is the ultimate bit of gardening workwear for women. So, Taylor, could you tell us a little bit about your story? Wow, um, that's usually flattering, first of all. And yes, I'd be delighted to. 
Um, so I work at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum as a horticulturist, and famously we do a nasturtium display in April to commemorate Mrs. Gardner's birthday. It's a really tense time because, as you know, the plants are quite tender, and we're moving them into the museum when it's usually driving rain and, you know, super frosty outside. Uh, the first year I got to participate in this tradition, I remember coming to work in my, you know, usual uniform looking like Little Orphan Annie, and my mentor said to me, you know, there's going to be a guy here taking your photo. Don't worry, and it's not a problem. He's sort of a crazy uncle. Uh, just focus on the work. And I said, okay, no problem, thinking he was actually going to be a crazy uncle. Um, it turned out to be the iconic fashion photographer, Bill Cunningham. And I remember rounding the bend, I had the plant in my hand, and he says, child, do the vine, I can't see your face. I thought, oh, my Lord, perfect. Um, I'm, you know, supposedly in this, like, primetime moment of my career, and I could not be more embarrassed and definitely don't want to be in front of the camera. Um, I told him quietly later to just make sure the photos never saw the light of day, and, of course, he put them in his column in the New York Times next to all these beautiful models walking the streets in New York and sort of drew out the color of the flower and the nasturtium and made this whole story about spring and how to dress appropriately. And I thought, wow, I should be so excited right now, but instead I'm, I'm so embarrassed. It looks like I don't take myself seriously at all, and obviously that, that could be further from the truth. So I decided to go looking one last time for clothing that was functional and beautiful and really made with transparency because, you know, like gardeners, we, we do care about sourcing and we care about process, and I really couldn't find anything. So I called a good friend of mine. She's in the fashion industry. I was explaining to her how frustrated I was, and she said, I think you're just naive to start a clothing line. So you're naive enough. I'm going to put you in touch with a woman who does all of the technical pattern making for women's denim at Levi's. And when I called her up, she was super excited to hear from me. She said, all I do all day is make skinny jeans. Yes, I love this. Let's, let's talk. Let's figure out something. Um, and I spent many years prototyping, learning kind of all the ins and outs of pattern making and landed on something that I thought was pretty cool. Um, people started asking me about what I was wearing, which had never happened before. I started sending pairs of our dungarees to fellow growers and uh, foragers, farmers. Um, I know a lot of people who are DIYers, just all different types, types of work. And everybody thought, you know what, this is super cool and you got to just put it out there. So I did. And uh, that was about a year ago. And so I know Taylor because I I can't quite remember how I, I think I found you on Instagram. But basically what Taylor makes is these unbelievably beautiful, incredibly well cut, incredibly durable jeans for gardeners. And so I bought my pair last year and they're made for women. So they're specifically made sized so that they have a really good cut so that you don't necessarily need to wear a belt and you know so that they fit because if you're a woman gardening what you find out is if you read really strong pair of jeans you end up buying men's jeans and then they don't fit well and yeah. um I absolutely like I'm gonna put it out there they are my all-time favorite pair of jeans to garden in because they wow. have this double double knee thing so you can't destroy them because before that I went through a whole stage of buying kind of she-she expensive raw denim and thinking I'd be that cool looking gardener who wore raw, de <laughs> raw denim and just like basically ending up with holes all over me. So uh, uh, I love these jeans. And I think it's a really interesting thing making a pair of clothing for women in gardening because, you know, as Taylor and I were talking about this beforehand, there's always this thing that falls into that like women need to wear like floral and pink and there's not enough of just like... Oh, yes. This is, this is a real bugbear of mine that, you know, 
whenever anyone you you look for anything for women and gardening it's it's pink or it's got roses all over it and it's just really cheesy and they're just uh, I, i'm excited by the sound of the, this clothing line because it sounds like it's exactly the opposite um and i think it sort of undermines i don't know i just i just don't want anything to be wearing something that's pink and flowery when i'm doing gardening because the whole point of being in the garden is that you're surrounded by actual flowers right <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't need to be wearing them but uh um, and I guess the other thing about that practicality is you've thought through all the issues, as you say, about about kneeling down, about flexibility, about I mean, what about t- tools and how they fit into this? D- did you think about yeah. pockets for tools? And Yeah, I mean, I started really small because I think anytime you make something, you, you kind of have to focus uh, quite small and then expand from there. And um, when I first put the products out there, I heard from tons of people all over the world with different body types and different inseams. And I thought, okay, well, if this goes well, I can kind of work slowly toward building patterns for different types of people. And that's basically what I've been doing the last year. So I'm very excited because I think, you know, as a woman myself, I want to see products made that represent a type of femininity that I think is modern and and contemporary. And I want to be able to treat my clothing like a good tool. So we're just kind of getting ready to launch these new fits and inseams and they do, they're made to accommodate, you know, specific body types and, and inseams, you know, finally. Yeah. I particularly like the, my favorite thing. And then I'm going to stop going on about your jeans because it sounds like I'm obsessed, <laughs> but um, they have this really cool, like a, a tag at the back, basically like a, um, like a buckle, which means that, so, you know, you don't want to wash your clothes every day. Right. But as you wear yeah. jeans, they always stretch. Right. So this tag allows you to pull in, like clench the wheat, waist in towards the end of the week when you've like the jeans are getting a bit baggy so that they don't lose their kind of don't lose their fit it's my favorite thing about them that (laughs) is that is extremely useful what color are the alice they're like they're made out of raw denim so and and taylor has really funny instructions about because you know if you're going to be a raw denim enthusiast you have to like not wash them so that they mold to you yeah so for a couple of weeks you do walk around well a couple of weeks actually let's let's put it let's let's be honest it's more like a couple of months you do walk around in these and you know they start off really crisp like corduroy uh not corduroy like cardboard um and then as you kind of wear them in, they sort of mold exactly to you. And I just broke the back of them recently. And now it feels oh. like putting on like my best friends. Oh, that's so great. I think really interestingly, this is sort of a subculture in denim. You get these beautiful fades and wear patterns that um, are unique to your work, right? And often we go to the store to buy clothing that's already pre-distressed. So we're not really used to that process. And I was actually in New York walking around and someone stopped, stopped me on the street and said, how did you get those fades on your knees? And I said, I'm a gardener. I'm on my knees all the time. And they just looked at me so funny. And I thought, when was the last time somebody like complimented the clothing of a gardener on the streets in New York? Probably never. <laughs> um, so anyway. That's a good that's a good sign. Alice, you're a bit of a queen of the, the scarf. You're wearing a very lovely... In fact, Alice is... I'm going to have to take a photo of Alice because she's looking like a vision of autumn loveliness today. The scarf... I The trouble with scarves, though, is I always find they start to unravel and they get tied up in the lawnmower. And yeah, there's, some, there's I just health and safety issues health around, and safety. around scarves, that's for sure. You don't want to end up like Isadora Duncan and kind of like <laughs> strangled by your... But your at beautiful. the same time, sometimes that neck area can be very uh, exposed. You, you do need it. But you've got a nice tying technique there. Yes, I'll teach you my tying I technique. I need that technique. Um, I, I once remember being at New York Botanic Garden and I was sitting in front of this really fantastic 
fantastically dressed gardener um, and we were in a lecture and I said to him you always look so beautiful I put my hand on his shoulder and said you always look so beautiful and he went darling you have to start with silk and finish with cashmere which I thought was like the best line ever (laughs) Um, and I've held that as my mantra basically you were saying silk long johns and then you know go to the charity shop and find a beautiful cashmere jumper I guess actually looking here today you two I'm just going to describe what what Jim and Alice are wearing (laughs) they are actually incredibly coordinated they look like they look like Mr and Mrs Autumn because (laughs) because Alice is wearing this lovely autumn shades leafy silks I presume it's silk after your comments previously silk scarf a lovely stripey uh is it cashmere oh yes it's cashmere cashmere striped jumper brown cords and lovely brown brogue boots and and Jim is wearing a sort of complimentary outfit of, of brown corduroys <laughs> and a lovely sort of russet coloured cable jumper. So they're absolutely looking amazing. And I'm just like an old, an old charity shop reject. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask Alice, do you um, consciously dress for the season? I mean, uh, if you work in a garden, you're very, very involved, aren't you, in the season? Yes. And I think it's only then natural to just pick things out of the wardrobe that do reflect that I'm, I have to be honest I completely do like I have very much yeah I, my, my wardrobe follows the kind of or, so the colours of the garden and white yeah and exactly and, and then yeah. I move into kind of stronger colours during the summer yeah. and then into the autumn I like this and then the winter I get you know I, ha- I love a Norwegian jumper so it's a big mm. excuse to bring out my Norwegian jumper collection and then um, yeah and then back again and I you know and I I, I think that anybody who's actually interested in gardening mm. and fashion you know that the kind of crossover points are you know, I I take great inspiration from you know from the garden for the way I look, yeah. and equally I take fashion into the garden in terms of how I like to design and whatnot. So yeah. I think they're really really obviously crossover subjects in that way. Definitely, I mean, fashion obviously you know takes influence from the garden, doesn't it? But I think people who create beautiful gardens are interested in color and texture and contrast, and it would be odd in a way if they didn't then think about it a bit mm. in their clothing. Mm. And I think if they deliberately dressed down and didn't portray that, they would be doing that very consciously and it wouldn't be real. Mm. No, no, I agree completely. I think they're lovely subjects. Both of them are dear to my heart and for obvious reasons because they're rich places to go and think Indeed. from. And I think the other thing that, that, that we're bringing out here is this ethical issue of, of, you know, where as gardeners we need to be aware of where our clothes are coming from, as everyone does, but perhaps there's a particular incentive. I mean, I have to say I'm wearing uh, cast-offs, maybe for my husband. They're certainly men's chinos, and they're really lame, but they are really comfortable. Um, but I would probably... I would either want to buy something once that would then last me for an awfully long time. So I was saying earlier that I'm <laughs> I'm hoping for some overalls for women's overalls for Christmas for for sort of jobs like sort of cleaning out the wormery and cleaning out the wheelie bins. Um, but I'm hoping that those overalls will last me for a good stretch of time or alternatively sort of recycling clothes that I've used for other purposes. So I, I sort of have this pattern, you know, a jumper, a woolen jumper starts off and it's all lovely and nice and new and then it might get relegated to gardening a gardening jumper once it's got a few holes on it and then it ends its life on the compost heap as its final resting place um what how did you did these ethical concerns come up when you were planning your clothing hugely i mean i think gardeners are starting from you know the point of departure is uh what are the raw materials what is the process and it's very easy to make clothing cheaply 
and kind of turn your back to the idea that there are actual hands involved in making the product and, you know, never asking any questions. But I'm also really interested as a worker in trying to connect to the people who are actually working to make the product because I think it's a story about who workers are and we can kind of own our own uh, tools, our own clothing a bit more. And, you know, it was important to me to go to the factory to shake the hand of the owner, to sit over lunch with the people who do the sewing and talk to them about their process, about their lives, and try really hard to make it a win-win situation. Um, and I wouldn't do it any other way. Do, do you have? Do you make dungarees? I've always wondered about dungarees. Alice, are you no. a dungaree fan? So, so Taylor's idea of dungarees is not our idea of dungarees. Okay. Yeah. So your <laughs> ideas of dungarees are just sort of are just trousers, aren't they? Essentially, when you're talking about dungarees, whereas yeah. we mean, we mean if we talk about dungarees, they have a bib. Because I, right. I've always thought that the bib issue is is I've always kind of liked the idea of gardening in dungarees, but then I'm thinking quick turnaround in the bathroom not going to happen well you, you drop you drop the yeah. like the you've then got to the like room. you know stretch take everything off and it's not a happy experience I, but I always used to wear dungarees uh, and I like the fact that you don't have anything around your stomach right so it's quite comfortable, comfortable. yeah easy to I, Jim are you a dungaree man I'm not, I must admit. Um, but I do have an apron which has that sort of bib pocket, which okay. I do find very, very useful. And uh, this is now gardening at home. So if I'm fruit picking, I put the apron on and I put a sort of a plastic container in the front pocket. And I've got both hands free to actually delve in amongst the raspberries and the fruit and put them all into the mm. pocket. And I do find that really useful. I've got useful. a bit of a hankering for a leather apron. Uh, is that, mm. what, what's your apron made out of? It's is a it? lovely sort of brown canvas cotton oh, okay yeah i don't know why but then again every time i google leather aprons they're like really ex- they seem to be ridiculously expensive would, perhaps it's would you actually wear it i don't i probably don't, see, not i've I mean, gone through the like i will buy aprons for gardening and mm. then like the reality is they just hang on the back of the door well because yeah because basically you're wearing clothes that well yeah. i'm wearing clothes that I don't care if they get dirty, but I can see the benefit of the pocket. The pockets are really useful. You need pockets. You know, you need pockets for knives, for string, for your secateurs. Mm. I mean, I don't get on very with a tool belt. A lot of gardeners have a tool belt with their secateurs in, and I'm always dropping it. It always falls out when I'm using one. So uh, they go in my pocket. So the pocket has to be quite strong because otherwise it's going to get a hole very quickly with a pair of sharp secateurs in it. Um, Pockets are important. You see, now this is a defining moment. Are you a secateurs down or a secateurs up? Mm, down. Down. See, I'm always up. Down. Well, because otherwise you do. You go through your pocket really quickly with yeah. the end of the, the bit. So. so I always have them the other way up. Okay. okay. Just, just, just an Alice thing, one. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> you need reinforced pockets. That's what you're saying. Well, one of the other things I really like, and again, I'm going to stop going on about Taylor's lovely jeans, <laughs> is that the front pockets are big enough to put your phone in. Right. Like they've been really considered, you know, yeah, like yeah, in women's point. fashion jeans, yeah. they often think we won't make big pockets because then it will make the jeans look bulky and oh my God, you can't look big. So yeah. you have really stupid pockets, whereas these have got like man pockets. Yeah, there's a really kind of terrible term here in the US that we call women's clothing uh, or we use it to describe women's clothing. It's shrink it and pink it. Um, <laughs> oh, no. and it's pretty terrible, but it's pretty accurate at the same time. So Taylor, have you got anything else planned in your range? Anything for the men? Yeah, I get asked all the time. I think so. You know, it's sort of funny. Um, my husband's a geologist, actually, and so he goes on and on about workwear also. Um, but I sort of feel like men have a lot of options right now, and we have a lot of work to do for the girls. So Fair enough. We'll, yeah, we'll stick to that, but maybe down the line. I sort of have to fit this in around gardening, so we'll see. It may take me a long time. 
Alice, I just wanted to ask you one more thing. As uh, as somebody who has frequently been on TV uh, doing gardening, what are the concerns and uh, caveats for dressing for TV gardening? Are there, are there different issues that come up? I think I've always got it wrong. I was always getting told off. So I don't know if I'm actually the person to talk to because I was always like either not looking feminine enough, enough or my clothes were considered too kind of old and dirty or you know I was forever being they were I felt like I was forever trying to be smartened up and also whatever you wear then there's like the next day either on like some sort of social media there's 101 people who you know some of them like it some of them hate it and some of them want to tell you that you look like you should you know chop off your you know like you should bin all your clothes immediately because they're the most revolting thing and how dare you go on tv wearing them so i think you're a style icon alice we get a lot of emails from readers saying oh where where did alice get that dress that she's wearing in that magazine picture it, i feel like it's quite a fraught one for me actually because uh you know like i say i made this conscious decision just to look like me when i garden so that i we, you can't tell the difference between whether i'm going out or going gardening um it, that that was kind of that's my baseline now clearly if I'm going out somewhere really special I don't go in a big pair of work boots but you know I want it to kind of be a crossover but um uh, as a woman who you know is then put out in front of the public uh, like it's excruciating because for all the nice comments there's a whole bunch of people who think it's perfectly fine to just chop you down left right and center for the way you look and like so I have really mixed feelings about Ha- like it's not an easy subject for me mm. because I, I, particularly in the early days, tortured myself on taking some people seriously, and they decided to write, you know, horrible things on internet boards. That's really harsh, isn't it? And at the end of the day, you know, I, I think all of us, <laughs> all of us can say well, we've got our own sense of style, and we just have to embrace, yeah, our own unique approach, whatever it may be. But I do feel that you know through history then fashion has been influenced by gardening so if you think of next year we're celebrating the 300th anniversary of the birth of capability brown now when he came along and changed the history of gardening and extended gardens out into the countryside with a much more naturalistic approach that obviously affected what people wore in their gardens because they weren't walking on a nice neat little paths anymore they had to get out there and i think i believe that you know, fashion was then adapted, in, you know, to fit in with that. That's a really interesting point. And I think uh, there is a trend now for sort of the vintage trend is very in. We had a, a mm. guy we featured in the magazine who uh, dresses in vintage gear to do his professional gardening. Mm. And I suppose there's something in that. It's just whether you sort of tip over into slight sort of well, I mean, tweeners. parody, tweeners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean yeah. it falls into that artisan, you know, like I'm I'm an artisan worker kind of look mm. which is very you know very in vogue at the moment but I like the interesting thing is we both know from being at Kew is that the first female gardeners at Kew and famously they wrote a song about them were allowed to wear trousers bloomers so they gardened in bloomers yeah. is the name of the song yeah. and these were the very first female apprentice and they were given trousers to work in because it was a recognition of how practical they had to be. And that actually was a really groundbreaking mm, moment absolutely. because this was a, mm. at a point when no women would have been allowed mm. to wear trousers. So this was Q making a statement about women and gardening. And then in the First World War, obviously the number of women working at Q went up 
And I think then they began to look a bit more critically at what was practical for women to wear, and it adapted and mm. changed quite quickly. But it definitely started off with them wearing exactly the same as the men, yes. Yeah, and so, yeah, and then they have, and there's some lovely pictures of them. They were basically, essentially made to look like men, weren't they? There's, they were, there, there's yeah. three early, there's a famous exactly. picture of these three early gardeners, yes. and they are given men's suits to wear. And, um, well, yeah, so they, they probably would have liked something slightly different. I think you made an important point because you'd been talking about your what mm. you wear at home, but yeah. I'm a professional gardener, yes. as is Alice, and I think there is a difference because because we are wearing clothes, you know, we are gardening every day, yeah. then you don't want to look such a tramp. And you yeah. also, you're proud of what you do. Yeah. And, um, you you know, you want to show it off. You want it, you want to it to be obvious quite i mean I, t- I i completely agree with that because the thing is i think if you if you're doing it every day you you it's as much uniform even mm. if it's not a kind exactly. of a uniform that's the point i want to make yeah, yeah. Mm. is that it you have to do it every day and having this thing that you put on that makes you feel confident about in your job i mean mm. that matters for whoever you are right like whether you're Absolutely. putting chef whites yeah. or whatever exactly um but uh you know I, so I can completely understand with that. And and then there becomes this really interesting thing because I think if anybody who's been a professional gardener who's worked for Team where you're made to wear branded gear. Mm. And then how you make that branded gear your well, own. Quite. And I mean, you and I have both been at Q. Yeah. And then you wear the Q fleece, don't you? Yes, with the exactly. Q logo. Yes. And possibly with the blue trousers to match. Yes. And that is very limiting in a way. Um, but at the same time, it's very easy in the morning. You know, at six o'clock in the morning, it's a lot easier just yes. to grab those two items. Um, but... It's not as creative, obviously. You're not portraying your creativity through the way you look. No. Are you a fan of fleece? I mean, I'm maybe going against the grain here to say... Oh, I hate I, fleece. I'm not a fan I don't of, like fleece. of no. fleece. I mean, really. it's very tempting when you touch a new one in the shop and it's all fluffy and lovely, but it doesn't stay like that. No. And it's not a natural fabric, is it? I mean, I'm all for natural fabrics. I mean, this woolen jumper, it doesn't matter if it gets wet, it will keep me warm. Mm. A fleece doesn't. I think fleeces are kind of, I feel like fleece and tracksuit bottoms are in my same, they're a slippery slope. It's hard to look good in them. <laughs> no? <laughs> Don't you think? Um, I think uh, we can all, that's one point we can all agree on. It's incredibly hard to do yourself justice in, in that particular, I, those I, particular items. Jim, can I just ask you, do you, were you still there when you got the lovely white wool socks at Kew? No, I wasn't, no. Oh, my no. God. I was having a conversation really? in the pub a couple of days about this, about how we were all lamenting that they no longer give them. But they had these, like, traditional knee-high special issue Q socks, which were wow. white and to really... To be worn with shorts? or Well, to be worn in your boots, they were kind oh, of okay. considered really good workwear socks. And anybody who's from the generation of Q who has them... Like, we, we all were in sitting in the pub going, do you still have your white socks? I was like, nothing, like, wild horses couldn't rip my white so- my Q-issue white socks from them. Because <laughs> they were kind of, I honestly think they must have been chosen in the 1940s. So they're knee-high, really thick wool, and then you could, like, they had a really big turnover bit. <laughs> and, wow. um, you know, for a certain group of people, they were the kind of, I, I loved wearing them. <laughs> they sound awesome. Uh, Jim, do you have any special gardening socks? Do what... Mm. I, I have some yeah, goat you don't socks. You not know about my socks, Jane. I, I, goat really? socks, yeah, I really recommend goat socks. Do yeah, you get try. them from from Wiggly Wigglers? From wig, goat socks from Wiggly Wigglers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they, they, are. they are. I mean, they just they don't get holes in them. They just go on and on and on. They're warm and they never it, smell. So just thought of one more thing. Going back to Q. Um, there's a tradition called the clog race. Oh yeah, I won. You won. <laughs> I didn't win. Um, <laughs> We had to wear some old-fashioned gardening clogs, which were wooden clogs, and that's what they used to wear to garden, isn't it? Yeah. 
And wow. that must have been so uncomfortable. But except for if you still... So, the, so to anybody else who doesn't know, then traditionally what the gardeners were given were these wooden clogs, but they weren't just wooden clogs. They had a little bit of a like metal they rim did. on it. Very like, noisy. Yeah, yeah, so that the, you wouldn't wear down the, um, the wooden clog. And they were like handed down from generations. So you didn't get a new pair. Hmm. You kind of... Um, there uh, were a group of them, basically. I must admit, I do have the modern equivalent, which are my shed shoes, which um, I find really useful just for nipping to the compost or the, you know, oh, get I some wood in. Oh, I love gardening and clogs. Mm. Yeah. Have you got the sort of uh, the backdoor shoes ones? The sort of, um, I've got just a pair of, du- you know, typical brown clogs without a yeah. back, which I actually do quite a lot of gardening You're in. actually gardening, yeah. Um, and, you know, you mock it because you think it's not a very practical thing. But if you were to go to, to Holland now and yeah. you go into those big nurseries where they're producing huge amounts of bedding plants and houseplants and whatnot, you'll find that all the right. workers are still in yeah. traditional there you go. wooden clogs because they are incredibly um you know they've got really good uh I, I mean i think particularly if you're working in a greenhouse they're great because they have some kind of you know they're absorb they've got some sort of absorption mm. factor to them because they're wood so that they like you know they're not hard but also if you're working on concrete which is incredibly cold and, and, and unforgiving yeah. yeah and unforgiving and not very nice and there's all sorts of issue with getting arthritis then you've got this wooden platform mm. that's kind Makes of sense. elevating you yeah. off so you see in yeah Dutch you see in Dutch greenhouses rows and rows and rows of wooden clogs, like big, big Dutch very tall men take off their shoes and put on their clogs. It's a fun, you know, <laughs> uh, it's a funny sight, but it's a good one. Order me my clogs forthwith. I should, <laughs> I should be wearing them, wearing them next week. There's one last piece of kit that we haven't mentioned here, which is which is the hat. Do you ever indulge in a in a bit of hat wearing, or is it is this? A, I is find it that you know, I find the hat is quite a kind of is quite a key moment in working out what kind of gardener somebody is, right? Because essentially, if you bend over a lot, mm. yeah. your hat's going to fall off if it's a big brimmed mm. one, right? Or a flat cap. Or a flat cap. So I think men maybe have a better. So there's the woolly, the beanie. Mm. I I never end up. I'm a I'm a scarf on on your heads person. I, I was reading in the this wonderful paper called the Guardian that apparently it's the year of the pom pom beanie hat. To which I said, "You mean bobble hat? <laughs> That's a bobble hat, people. I don't know what this pom pom beanie hat things come from. It's a bobble hat, right? I just want to mm. state that right now. But I mean, I I with you. I get a very hot head. I've got a lot of hair. Mm. I don't really. Well, and also I find it's what it. Unless it's a really tight, really like you know, skull cap. I find that when you bend over to weed, mm. inevitably they ride mm. up or ride or you know, like or fall off or something. Only when it's very cold, and then yeah. it's a beanie hat which yeah. does stay on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Taylor, actually, uh, you're a hat wearing person, though, aren't you? You wear big brimmed hats. I do. I'm making that up. I'm fascinated by how people keep the sun away from their face, and I sort of opened up this question in this can of worms on Instagram recently. I just sort of wanted to know what people wear to work in the garden. And a couple of people sent me photos of themselves draped in sort of all different scarves and whatnot around their face. And it's sort of like, how do you even see? Um, but I guess there's this question of like insects. Um, certain places in the U.S. you get these seasonal flies, these biting flies. And so they're like talking about sun protection and also covering their skin so they're not being bit while they work. Um, other people have these sort of net hats. And I was like, wow, I, I feel really fortunate. I don't have to think about any of that. Um, but I really do love a big brimmed hat uh, when I'm working in the summer. And I, I think in a weird way, unlike the U.K., here in the U.S., gardening is not considered a respectable career. Um, putting a hat on almost makes you seem like you're someone worth uh, talking to. It's, it's a way to sort of signify you care more deeply than um, maybe a landscape person who just shows up and mows and blows. So oh, okay. I often feel like it, it's a good way to communicate that you're sort of more thoughtful about the work you do. 
Um, but I do feel sometimes as a professional gardener, it's you walk the line of being a bit costumey. Like you don't want to show up to work as a white wine gardener. You know, you kind of want to indicate that you're there to work hard. Um, so it's got to be just the right hat. Yeah, there is that that fine line of the professional gardener of looking looking smart, but yeah, that you're going to be inherently practical and capable mm. to the job is the fine line that you have Absolutely. to you, you have to tread. Isn't the, the artisan uh, side of things? I mean, I do firmly believe that gardening is a craft, and as a craft, I think it's important to wear the right clothes so that people can identify you with that craft and I come in on a busy train everyone's suited and booted for the city you may say see a vicar with their collar on going to a meeting in town you may see the the um, people working on crossrail and you can identify them and maybe even through identifying what people do from their clothes you then engage in conversation and I have been asked many a gardening question on the train in the morning and um, I like you know, people being able to identify the craft, because I do believe it is a craft, um, from what I wear. You know, I'm a gardener, and I'm proud of being a gardener, hands-on gardener, and I want to big that up. Well, that's it from us here, but that just means we've got a week to chat about this podcast, and we'd love for you to send us some pictures of your gardening outfits. You can use the Guardian Witness app. You can tweet us at Guardian Gardens and join our Facebook group. Just search for Guardian Gardens or go old school and send us an email to gardens at theguardian.com. Thank you very much to Taylor and to Jim. And we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye bye. Bye. Guardian gives you great independent journalism. Squarespace gives you the power to be independent on the web. Squarespace, the sponsor of this Guardian podcast, has Google Apps integration so you can create a beautiful website and get professional email branded to your web address. Entrepreneurship has never been easier. Try it at squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.